Welcome to the Football Podcast. Here we dissect Scottish football. Because basically, it's all we care about.
All right, all right, all right. It's our first podcast in a Trump-free world. Yes, he's not dead, but to us he is. Now, basically, the start of the Trump demise started with the start of this podcast as we clench our fists and punch the ugly face of fast food fascism. Jose, your thoughts, please. Sorry, what? <laughs> Again, the dynamic of these things are you, you listen, then you talk, and vice versa. I, except, your audio, except your audio actually broke up for me. That's this is the one who was telling us it was all great and all that. Fine, anyway, let's get on. It here. was. Uh, you weren't listening. That's the problem. As Paul does it exactly the same thing every week, I can see when his eyes start to move across the screen to his windy. I mean, he's actually got... I don't know what the fuck is going on at Paul's windy right now. What, what what's outside your windy right now, Paul? It's not right. Can you not draw I've any got cut? the blinds. I've got the blinds shut to stop the glare coming the in. The blinds are shut. I've actually, I, if you if you give me a chance to explain where the actual window is, because I've got notes on things that we're about to talk about, so I don't completely forget and lose a thread. Fucking hell! This is you with preparation. This is right? a, you're <laughs> I know, Jose. The only thing you've fucking written doing in the entire length of these shows is with that daft predictor thing. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, as you can tell, we've got two panelists, and it's not just any panelists. It's these panelists. It's Paul, John McGlynn O'Neill. Hello. And it's Alan, Johnston Three, Jose. Okay, so let's get down to the spectacular, the vernacular. It is St Johnston 3, Hibs now, Hosey. What on earth is going on at Easter Road and how long has Jack Ross got left in a job? Uh, fucking, yesterday is an absolute fucking disaster. It was, they started off the game, alright, they looked like this is a matter of time until they score. And then St Johnston scored for a set piece and Hibs never kicked a ball again. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some people. Oh well, the players fucking like didn't the performance up to the players to do that. I'm kind of like it's also up to the fucking manager to install a fucking mentality in the fucking players. And if they have any, if they are not doing what they should be doing, that's up to be managed. I I think Ross will be gone. I think he'll be gone by the end of the season. I think he's probably go. We've got the hands on Wednesday night mm-hmm. and. My suspicion is that if Hibs get scalped in that, I think he may actually get sacked. I think he may actually get sacked because there's just been too many games. There's just been too many too many big games where Hibs they turn up. That's two semi-finals that Hibs have absolutely fucking blown. With all respect to Paul, it's like it's, Hibs are a championship team. It's like you should be beating them. Hibs were maybe the better side in that game, but they never won the game. Hibs, in the league this season, been a better side than St Johnston and got absolutely fucking scalped 3 nothing. It's... They are not acceptable performances. They're not even remotely acceptable performances. You've blown chances at two trophies in the space of fucking two months and completely winnable games when you've had reasonably easy draws. It's like that, nah. I mean, if you're not going to win the games, you've got to take. There was a lesson there for a lot of bigger teams, and I'm regarding Hibs as a bigger team in that game, certainly. Um, so Johnston are a team that are used to defending week in, week out, and they did quite well. They clearly put a lot of emphasis on set plays, both defending them and attacking them, hence being so good at them yesterday. Um, I just think, I mean, and I would include Celtic in this as well, but Hibs just looked like a team that just thought, you know what, we'll just we'll fucking turn up and beat them, you know what I mean? No problem. And you're right, for a while, 
fucking hell. I mean, the, the Murphy chances alone, you know, unbelievable. But you're right, as soon as St. Johnson scored, it was like, oh shit. And to me, and I don't know what you think about this, and I've noticed this a few times with Jack Ross, he doesn't seem to have a plan B when it doesn't go well. No. I mean, the one, the one, the one that I would say slightly in his defence has been a lot of games this season where Hibs have been absolutely shite in the first half, and it has made changes. It has made changes in Twitter, so they say that. But it tends to be, it tends to be tweaks to what's already there. If something just isn't working, then it hasn't got a good fucking plan B. It's like the one, the one that sort of sticks in my mind with him was last season at Petardry. I think it was, I think it was possibly the last game before. Mm-hmm. I think it was possibly the last game before fucking league fucking league goal finished mm-hmm. uh, and Hibs got players sent off like, Hibs got, like Stephen Whitaker got sent off and he made three subs and all three subs completely changed the formation completely changed the formation and it just kept on getting worse as he kept on doing mm-hmm. players being sent off it's like ah you're going to have to adjust that's fair enough so he adjusted to start with you lost a goal that's a back level and then, right, well, I'm going to try and shut up shop here. So he's turned around and tried to shut up shop. Aberdeen score again. Like, fucking, so that never worked. And then he's like, oh, well, now we need to chase the game. And we never fucking, I didn't even fucking go to the ball in Aberdeen half after that. And it's like, so every change he made, made it worse. That was that was a reason we my game. Had to won that far away from Aberdeen. If we'd won that game, then we were within touching distance. I didn't think it was the last game, I think. I think it was maybe the Hertz her- her- game. Maybe the last one. Anyway, uh, I I feel that it does need sometimes have a really good grasp on what it is that needs to get done, what it is that needs to get done. But I think it's now it's just it's back it's back to being a mentality thing. It's, it feels like Hibs before they won the Scottish Cup again. It's like where it's just there's just no fucking like bottle with this at all. And you've I think it's a reasonable squad. I think it's a reasonable squad. The players football hasn't been fucking great looking on anything. I kind of feel Hibs are where they are in the league, which is re- a reasonable position because they've got better players than fucking the vast majority of the league. Who mm. I think the vast majority of the league is pretty shit. Mm-hmm. So I think Hibs are basically there on the strength of there being a decent squad there. I'm not convinced that the manager is a massive part of that. I mean, Paul. Like I think he's, he's, he's easily replaceable, I think. Aye, aye. There's no doubt about that. Paul, he then went on. A, uh, you didn't see the game, did you? I've seen the highlights, never seen the full game, but I've seen the highlights. Well, I mean, obviously, he then went on to spit the dummy uh, after the match, which, you know, I I did, I wasn't aware of this till late last night. I didn't hear it as it happened or anything like that, but when I listened to it back, read it back, I couldn't see anything that Kenny McIntyre said that was anything controversial or. No, I I don't think he said anything particularly wild. I mean, obviously, after the game, Ross will be hurting and any kind of probing of his part in it probably will stick on him a bit but he's got to be better than that he basically just lost the pot and started saying to Kenny McIntyre you've been disrespectful to other managers you've been mm. disrespectful to me and maybe he has maybe I've missed it but like in terms of yesterday's interview I didn't think it was anything disrespectful at all he was trying to probe into why the second half was such a difference for the first mm. and I think that's entirely fair I mean Kenny Mac he's, he's got a confrontational style he likes to have the wind ups and the fucking arguments going on in the show Again, I never heard the previous interview with Neil Lennon, which you know, which again, obviously Lennon spoke to me. I believe Hibs have made an official complaint to the BBC because yeah. Kenny, I spoke to you late last night, and said I can't talk about it because it's now in the complaints process. So, 
Um, to me, it was a it was a massive deflection. Like, um, if you, if you, what was what was going on? Like, you know, it was, um, and it kind of goes back to I think, cosy this thing about there not being fans here, and you know, managers and players, some of them are getting away with murder. I, I, I fucking I, I said this last night to a few ways. I was like that. I didn't believe Hibs would have had that performance yesterday if there had been fans at the semi final against Hibs because mm. I think the players would have walked off that game thinking they were getting fucking lynched. And I'm kind of like, if you only got to perform just based on whatever, if you only got to based on fucking professionalism or fucking anything like that, I think. An element of fear about the fucking reaction you're getting from your fucking supporters. I think that would be the one. I think that would be the one. Whereas it's like, and I think some players need that. I don't think it's brilliant. Fucking players fucking like being frightened on pitch most of the time. But I do think a hefty, like a healthy. There's such a thing as a fucking healthy fear. You fucking like the fans fucking turning against you. Mm. I think there should be that, and I think that has to exist. And Hibs this season have kind of no had that at all. I don't think. I think there's been a lot of unacceptable performances. And you're, you're saying it as well, like the, the fear of the fans, but also some players need fans to perform, to sort of live off it and spark off it, you know what I mean, and, and get that lift for them. Some of them, some of them really react if they get like a round of applause and they go that extra yard. And too many players, and most games I've watched, it just seem to be going through the motions a lot of the time. As I feel, I feel that games haven't got the same pressure on them without fans, and they just and they haven't. There isn't there isn't the same pressure on players when there's no fucking fans in the ground because you make a mistake and there isn't the fucking thousands of people screaming at you saying you're shite. It's like, which in theory should probably mean players should play with a bit more freedom, but they are not playing with a bit more freedom. They're just making the same mistakes time and again. Mm-hmm. Okay, well before we move on to Paul, um, I just want to clear something up, Posey. Are you at the minute with this cat thing trying to confirm the fact that you're a sociopath? <laughs> because it's starting to get a wee bit like. You know, we clearly you've no empathy for human beings. We know that you've got massive empathy for cats, and that's something that's you know. So, I mean, can you tell us? I mean, are you having any kind of um, breakout? Are we seeing the real you? I mean, what what's what's going on here? Nah, it's like right. There's, there's, I take it this is based on the criticism we I'll sit with the cat until she falls asleep at night. <laughs> well, that and posting the picture there uh, five minutes ago when she was playing B I Brox, aye. But carry on. <laughs> well, of course, I just got the cat. <laughs> Look, but, but that's what cat. I'm saying. That that's a sociopathic type of thing to do. <laughs> aye, no, I, I don't believe that. I was posting. Well. I've dealt with sociopaths and, um, you know, I mean, there is definitely signs there, shall we say. What is the, what is the, sorry, the criticism, what is the theory behind sitting beside the cat until it falls asleep? It's just to be, it's just to basically settle it in. It's like fucking, just keep her company. She likes, she likes her company. I'm like, ah, nah, I'll fucking, I'll sit with you basically until you fall asleep. And it's like, she likes, she likes what you sit on your lap, fucking, so it's nice and warm and whatever, and she's falling asleep. I'm like, ah, that's fine. Was it? I mean, surely watching the Newcastle game would have done no. Or, I'll repeat, anybody. <laughs> I never watched sleep. Yeah. Aye, I never watched the Newcastle game. To be fair. Boy, well, surely your girlfriend did, didn't she? What was going on in this no. house? No, no, no. Nobody has watched it. It's like it's not like they've been wild men entertaining and fucking like at any point this season. Okay, well, so, I mean, aye, it's, the case is bolding because now you're saying. Your girlfriend Fiona didn't watch a Newcastle fan. Didn't watch a Newcastle game. So oh, fuck, has he put her in the cupboard or something? And you do live in a flat like Dennis Nielsen. 
I was going to say, uh, what we actually done, instead of watching Newcastle game last night, was uh, we watched One Night in Miami, which they can't have you seen it, but mm-hmm. I thought it was all right, actually. I thought it was actually all right. It wasn't a bad film at all. That's the Jack Ross deflection coming there, Paul. Did you hear that? Eh? <laughs> okay, Paul, so you had, you apart up until um, Hibs got gubbed at Hamden again, you were having a phenomenally bad day. You were out. You were out. There's a sex fiend on the, the web chat, which we might come on to. Your uh, English team Arsenal got gubbed for reasons that are been beyond me, and of course, Hertz got annihilated by Ray Flowers at Tyne Castle. What was your thoughts on it? Um, I know it wasn't a particularly enjoyable day. Um, the head result did crack my mind up a bit at the end, but uh, yeah, I said that already. I, I know, I know what I'm saying, but I, it was fucking dreadful from mm-hmm. my point of view. Arsenal annoyed me because I don't understand why they made so many changes and mm-hmm. I trophy they could win. English teams in general making that many changes at that tournament you go on about rotation and everything but it's four extra games or something if you actually get to the final mm. if you can't handle that and it's just bizarre but um, they were well beaten they're terrible um, they actually really missed Kieran Tierney they had nothing on the left hand side at all he's become such an important player for them Harps as a fucking shambles to be perfectly honest like um, weirdly we came out that game we probably had enough chances to actually win it but we were three of them doing at home to Ray Throwers. Mm-hmm. And we never kicked a ball till an hour of the game. We were, we were hopeless. Fair play to Wraith. Like they, they, they were a good shape. They had a good intensity about them. And they knew, they've obviously watched what's actually upsetting Hearts this season, so people get in their faces and know what they've played. And, and they've done that to an early goal, obviously, straight out of the back. They, they scored, got off it. Um, but to go three and doing like Nielsen after the match, deflection as well, because he was blaming the ref. The mm. second one wasn't a penalty, the third one was a handball. And by the way, he's probably right on both the calls, but you should never be getting yourself in a situation where you're you're relying on luck or the odd decision to go your way to make sure you're not getting covered. They got sent off both at the end of the game, didn't they? I was sent off at the end. I mind you, I, I don't know how much that he didn't look particularly angry or anything, beating was just being a bit his arrogant self, I think. Mm. But but it's the same. Every game we lost this season, Nielsen's blamed the ref or partially blamed the ref. And it's no good enough when fans are watching it. You can see what the fucking problems are. After after we pulled them back, we actually made tons of chances. Like, Jamie McDonald made three brilliant saves. We missed two sitters. We scored two. But it doesn't matter. Even if we could got a point or even won that game, the, the first ever was completely unacceptable. And it's probably the fourth time this season we've actually played like that. So it's, it's becoming mm-hmm. worryingly regular. And you play Sorry. Wraith Rovers again on Tuesday? I've got Wraith on Tuesday away, aye. Away, aye. Fucking hell. Aye. Yeah. Don't fail with the next Aye, so the next two games are massive. I mean, Hearts have, have been fortunate Sorry. in the respect that Dunfermline have been shaky for a while now after looking really good at the beginning of the season, you know what I mean? But as you see, Wraith have got aye. a few games in hand. And... Aye, Wraith are the ones that are sneaking up on the outside because they've got games in hand, as you say, and... Uh, They've had some really good results. Um, bear in mind as well, yesterday, that was a race team that hadn't trained for two weeks until Aye. Friday afternoon. I know. You know what I mean? So it's not really, it's not really good enough. And I think, as you say, Hearts have been fortunate because I just don't think the quality is there in the league. Like, if we lose one of the five or something, like, roughly that average, we'll win the league, maybe bother because there's nobody good enough to get close, but it's not really acceptable. No, it's not. And it's certainly no good preparation for if they come up. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I've got to play, no. um, even though the league's not that great, I've got to play a lot better teams in the top flight. And... So there you go. Okay. Uh, Sevco for Ross County. Now, I want to say something about this that really fucking upset me. Apart from the fact that there's a penalty, obviously. But what the fuck 
gives these cunts the right to play Joy Division at Ibrox. <laughs> Ryan Kent. Joy Division are the fucking absolute mile thousand billion away from any ethos that's ever come out of fucking Ibrox. Even the word Joy. Well, <laughs> ah, so that that infuriated me quite frankly. Um, <laughs> You know, and I kind of did. I thought, you know what, I'll just I'll watch it and I'll, you know, try about day preparation that, and then that fucking comes on. And also then I had to put up with Ross County's defending, which looked like it was ah. out of a fucking Church of Scotland under 12 league. Oh, it wasn't good, was it? Like, fucking hell. I mean... Uh, it's yeah. again, again, you only likes his teams to fucking play out through the back, but you need to actually play out through the back as opposed to fucking, like, stumbled over the ball five times in a 10-second period. I mean, it's kind of... one of the Sorry, on you go, Paul. But I was just going to say the one where the boy Yakovic uh, gave away the penalty. Was, what was he? What was he doing? Like you, you just lost a goal after five minutes. You're already. Oh, when you know what? I, I, didn't I, I didn't get some more technical from. Pathetic, like. I mean, right. the only thing that's fucking keeping me <laughs> going now is that I'm not going to be able to celebrate anything. And you know, I know how shit that mm-hmm. is. Um, and also, I think um, Stephen Gerrard. I'm not sure he's going to be here next season. I don't think he will be. Um, I, I don't think he will be. I think I think the Huns have basically been they've went all in mm-hmm. on their finances, turned around and fucking like see if we can if we can actually win the league before fucking Celtic get to fucking ten. I think they've turned around, spent everything they fucking possibly can, and I think Gerard, if he wins the league, it's like that. Kim what he's done, right. he's done a good job. With him. He'll walk away, and I think he'll get a probably a decent fucking Premiership job. Decent as Premiership Joe, so he's mid table or something. And he goes away, fucking he'd held high, and I think the Huns will do a complete fucking fire sale, so just fucking sell anything fucking well, sell. The other thing and is, say, well, we rebuild, I mean, they've got to win the league, obviously, right? What else can he do, really? You know, the only thing I, that would keep him there is a crack at the Champions League, but I mean, there's a crack and there's a crack. Surely he's going to be looking at the likes of Frank Lampard, who can get the Chelsea job and think, if he can get that fucking job after one year with Derby. I've got to give me a shout at somewhere. And then the next, and if he gets that job that you're talking about, the middle level Premier League job, then surely if he does well there, the next step is Liverpool, which I'm I, sure that's, like, that's the whole point of the thing in the first place. I, I mean, it's like I think like Klopp, Klopp's basically in with the fucking in with the furniture there. As long he'll be there as long as he wants to be, mm. I think. But I think somebody like Klopp, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point in the next couple of years he just goes, right, Kim, what, done this up, mm-hmm. like, I'll go and take something else, like maybe take a German national job or something like that. It wouldn't surprise me if he'd done that because he just seems that sort of person where it's like, I feel like I've done everything I can here, fucking like, turned him into a fucking like, so he really fucking good side. Uh, won everything that there's available to win and then you move on. And it's like, it feels like Klopp kind of does that as a manager. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what he'd done at Borussia Dortmund. Where it was like fucking turn around, fucking go them gone really fucking well, and then it was like that, and then he left. It's like, I wouldn't surprise me at all. And I so mean, the Liverpool job might well come, but it's contracted there. He's contracted there till 2024 at Anfield, which is probably about the optimum time to be looking to get some delay, Gerard, and I'd guess. Um, but aye, so, and Paul, uh, Aberdeen 2 Morrowell 0. Well, before I ask you about this game, did you see it? I did, I. Did you watch it? Aye. You watched it all? Yes, aye. You kept a close concentration on it, aye. <laughs> aye. Well, just because I was going to talk about the bad referee and I didn't want you to then go, eh? What? <laughs> what the fuck has gone on with Polworth? I don't fuck know. The first one he got a yellow for, if the ref's seen that, it's a red, sure. He swung, swung an arm about 10 yards in front of the referee. Mm hmm. 
and then he booked him. And then he sent him off for... Uh, yeah, so like... Sorry, he sent, he sent him off for, for foul and abusive language. And then Polworth was denying it was at him, it was at one of the players. Just mm-hmm. seemed a bit of cluster for the I think he knew he should have sent him off and basically wait for an opportunity to, to take that chance. I mean, it was, it was, that, that was the one that got me, where it's like, what did he get booked for? It's like, if you've seen him fucking throw a fucking elbow at fucking somebody, it's a sending off. And if you haven't seen that, what have you booked him for? Mm. It's like, it's a fucking, just an absolute fucking bizarre one. It's like, you must have a reason for booking him. It's because that to me is it's either a sending off or fuck all if you've missed it. Mm. It's like, it can't be fucking, it can't be the sort of middle of the two of them. It was just absolutely fucking bizarre. And obviously, you've no idea what the fuck it is he said. He said, which was what the fucking referee fucking said more. I've got to say, one, I'd, of the, I'd, one of the things I just... Well, I mean, I can't stand sports scene, right? As I've said a million times, the pundits, fucking Julie Fleet, and I think she stays in that studio, okay? But the Neil McCann thing, I actually laughed out loud. I don't know if you heard it. He said, he said the Derek, Derek McInnes, he said, about Aberdeen fans... They're too. They're, they're getting sick of being no that good, no that bad. You know, they're, they're like what? And he was kind of hinting at a sort of Alan Curbisley Charlton scenario, like where you know Aberdeen would basically plummet to the bottom league if Derek McInnes left. Obviously, with big bodies and all the rest there. But I'm I'm struggling to see what Aberdeen, what purpose they they bring to themselves right now. I mean, if I hear one more fucking strand about this stadium. You know, I mean, that's been fucking ongoing since fucking Dick Donald was a chairman, I think. You know, what is it they're actually striving for, Aberdeen? I mean, it kind of feels, it kind of feels a bit like with McInnes. It's, I, I kind of think it's the same sort of thing as Ross, but it's like, he doesn't win big games, so mm. you only got one fuck all under him. And I think that's got a shelf life. It's got a shelf life with fucking Aberdeen supporters. It's not that like football's fucking like brilliant to watch or anything. Mm. He's an, effect, he's an effective manager. They beat who they should be most of the time. And it's kind of like, I think it's, it's just fucking, it feels like it's just an air shot at the club. Mm. And I think Aberdeen supporters are pissed off. And McInnes was under pressure last season. Mm-hmm. He was another one where the league finishing early. Just like that. Oh, well, I think we'd have finished third to fucking if the league had went on. So it's like, so it's not actually that bad a season. Uh, but I'm not sure the fucking Aberdeen supporters actually buy that because I think they go, we aren't making any progress, we're not making any fucking steps forward. We're getting fucking further and further away. Like, what was it? Was it four years ago or something? Where they were actually reasonably close to Celtic, like going into the split. Aye. Aye. And, and it's like, and I fucking might not be a great Celtic side or fucking whatever at that point, like, so just before Rogers. But you turn around and you're like, but he's a fellow brain miles for that. Mm. It's like you can turn around and say McInnes is doing a good job, like so he fought, like four or five years ago or whatever, but he's still doing the same job now, and other sides have fucking improved around about him. So, what are you actually trying to do? It, it feels to me like they they would need to get an appointment, right? But I think replacing McInnes would at least fucking give a fucking fan something to fucking something to hope for, mm. something to hope for, because at the moment it's just oh, we'll just keep doing exactly the same <laughs> things as we have been doing, so like for however long McInnes has been there it's like we'll just keep doing exactly the same thing fucking time after time it's reasonably effective we'll turn around we'll finish third or fourth in the league and that should be fine the fans should be happy with that the, but fans want to see the club improvement talking about half-foot managers I forgot about this Callum Davidson post-match interview 
said uh, I've never seen it that it's good to be in the final because as you all know the old firm have dominated the cup competitions in recent years now taking aside the obvious old firm you know died in 2012 and all that kind of thing what the fuck is he talking about? Aye, and you could, you could have saved a word there and just said Celtic. Aye. Celtic, Celtic have dominated the cup competitions here. The fact that Celtic are there means we've got a chance of winning it. It's like, aye. You know, the teams, you know, there was Hibs won, won obviously the cup and Ross County won the League Cup and fucking uh, Inverness won the Scottish Cup and St Mirren and Kilmarnock and so, you know, fucking idiot anyway. Okay, <laughs> so one of the things that's happened this season... Paul, you'll probably be an expert on this, I'd say, um, is the fact that the top strikers for clubs are really only scoring many goals. No. And I'm talking about, I'm not going to include somebody like Kevin Nisbet, because he's just come this season, he's been a revelation. But Odson Edward, Morelos, Sam Cosgrove, Lauren Shankland, they're not scoring anywhere near the level of goals that they normally score by this time. I guess the mitigating circumstances with Edward would be he's had COVID and nobody knows on that. Personally, I think he doesn't try a leg half the time. Morelos, to me, has not been the same player since he got sent off at Celtic Park about a year ago. Even though they mm. won the game, but the three schemes, he's just never been the same. Shankland, Paul, I don't know, you're probably better. I've not really ever seen the guy play live, I think. You've probably seen him for Scotland. And Cosgrove, I know, has been injured in that. But have you got any theories about why strikers aren't scoring as much? I don't think that there's any one thing. I think, as you say, there's, there's so many individual circumstances for mm-hmm. each of them. Like Shankland... Maybe is it maybe the step ups a bit much as well because mm. he scored for one at the championship. I mean, you've seen him for Scotland, right? Aye. What would uh, you but think of I don't really think he's good enough to be in the Scotland squad. Mm. To be honest, um, I don't think his all round game is good enough. He's not a bad player or that by any mm. any stretch. But I also don't think Dundee United play to his strengths. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're pretty much safety first, aren't they? Like they're not really trying their best to get. Even the one he scored the other week was a, a worldy film, but it's because he had to do it himself for the halfway line. There was no no service. And he, he looked quite sharp up at Aberdeen the other week, but again, it was two or three efforts for a distance. So I, I'm not convinced Dungeon United are set up under Mellon to get the best of them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Edward, I was, days, I was, had COVID. And, sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, I totally agree. Like, fucking, I didn't actually have to get a service, and he's, he's kind of a penalty boat striker. And if penalty boat strikers only get service in the penalty boats, they probably only got to score many fucking goals. And Dungeon United just didn't look like they're interested in fucking doing that at all. I think the others as well though as you say Morelos had his I think had his heart set on a move at the start of the season mm. it never came he came back overweight I don't know if it was a protest or he just couldn't be arsed <laughs> a protest then, <laughs> uh, uh, no but you know what I mean like, they just turned out with a little bit of a try I'd take a strike you know what I mean though he just came up with he's no willing to work hard because he thinks he'd get a move but um, this, this, they've signed a couple of half-decent other players around that area as well, mm. and it's just no good to look at the looking. Um, Edward, as you say, COVID, I think there, do, you, do you think there'll be a bit around him at the start of the season as well, that he thought he was maybe going to go and it messed his head or whatever? Well, it's, I mean, you know, he committed himself to the club at the start of the season and all that, but then two, three weeks later, there was the kind of break doing with um, Lennon and after the Ferenc Varos game where he basically eviscerated the players, and I think a lot of them haven't tried the leg since. I mean, I think I think what you'll see definitely whatever happens with Celtic, Lennon, Loyal and that, there'll be fifteen players will leave Celtic at the end of the season. Some will get mm. freed and some will get sold because they're just no wanted. People like Edward, Cham, Christie. I mean, you know, any anybody watch Christie, the guy is just try a fucking leg. 
but he's playing for Celtic yet for Scotland he's running a bit daft you know um, the Cosgrove one with me is a bit strange um, you know I, I just didn't rate that Curtis Mean at all he gets in front of him they're kind of continually looking at players for that position and you know that was a guy who I was looking at a couple of years ago when Celtic should put a million pound bid in for him he's, got, he's nothing like anything we've got and he's very effective mm-hmm. in the SPFL whereas now you look at him and you go fucking hell man the boy can hardly even move Rumours that Hearts were trying to make a late bid from as well, but he'd already agreed to go to mm. Hibs. Um, 
But I, I was speaking to other like, Hearts fans during the season saying, this boy at the film, and look at the goals he's banging in. Like, somebody should be taking a gamble on him. Because right. all the chat was about Shankland. Mm-hmm. He was scoring just as much for a worse team. You know what I mean? Like, Andy done it at Wraith Rovers as well, so he handled the step up. And he's handled the step up again, so he's definitely somebody that should have been on people's radars if they were not yeah, that noise you heard was Happy Fife collapsing when you said Rafe was uh, Stumpherman was a step up for Rafe there. <laughs> <laughs> they have this. I was at a Dunfermline game. I'll tell you this. Uh, the now behind me, a couple of years ago, and it was the day that Rafe Rovers. I remember, I think it was twenty eighteen. Dave Rafe Rovers blew the league basically in the last game of the season, in the last minute of the season actually. And I was at a Dunfermline game. Um, can't remember who they were playing. And fucking, there was this eruption. You know, and I'm kind of like, cause you know, not being a Dunfermline fan, I'm not tuned into what the fuck's going on. And then all of a sudden, the sort of Dunfermline ultras started singing, "You'll always be the wee team," and they were all po- they were all pointing towards Kirkcaldy, which I thought was fucking brilliant as well. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't worked in Kirkcaldy. I've got no sympathy for any country there. They're all mental and weird. Um, I mean, if you think we're parochial in places like Nurison or that, they hate people that fucking live. Two doors doing for them, never mind in the next scheme or anything like that again. But uh, aye, scoring seems to be a problem. And Paul, to maybe to wrap that up, is that maybe tying into the adulation thing you were talking about that some strikers thrive off that? I, I think so, aye. But um, but this bit seems to be doing all right with the fans, mm, you know? True. Maybe, maybe it's maybe been better, but every time somebody tells me the reason Celtic are playing shite is because there's no fans, and I always say, well, it's the same for both clubs, like you know, it's no. Exactly. Obviously, we've got better fans than everybody else, but. Um, <laughs> anyway, so onward to a, a category that we've been kind of talking about for forever and ever, which is about goals we're talking about. So we said we set a task of the five best goals you've seen your club or team score. Now how we're going to do this is we'll kind of go for five to one, and we'll do it alternately rather than have big segments, right? So I'll start and I'll go to Paul Rain Jose, then me and Paul Rain Jose. So you'll get that. Okay, so I'll start the the fifth best goal I've seen. And again, I think these are a bit, you know, probably if you fucking asked again next week, you'll probably get five different goals, you know. Anyway, it was uh, John Collins at Ibrox when the fans were banned, um, free kick, which was, you know, obviously I was at that game um, to my fucking stupidity. But. The, the, was there something iconic about the fact that it was you know, the Celtic fans weren't there he was wearing the Predator boots for the first time which nobody really had heard of. and Predator I think were absolutely over the moon that somebody had scored a goal like that with boots like with boots like them kind of thing um, and it was absolutely I mean to see it at the time was absolutely phenomenal and especially when we weren't playing that well or we hadn't won a trophy in about five years or anything like that there were moments of magic and that was certainly one of them just to silence the hordes you know so that's my fifth base, Paul. Yeah, um, I think my fifth base was um, one at Easter Road. Um, Ryan Stevenson scored oh, in the league he's cup. Dug in right in the hips already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a top five, top five goals against him. Ryan Stevenson, uh, right? <laughs> no, no, it's, it, it was it was in our admin season, and we went down there. We'd be in shape form, and I think Hibs expected to absolutely batter us. And for the you most again, Jose is refer- referenced that we went down there. See? <laughs> I know, right. Right. Well, keep but, talking because um, I can't remember this goal. I know they, they, it was the league cup quarters, and I think they expected to pump us. And for like the first 25 minutes, Aye, it was an absolute doing. It was a proper doing. Like Jimmy McDonald made two or three great saves. We were hanging in by our fingernails. 
And then suddenly the ball comes to Stevenson 20, 23 yards out, 25 yards out, and he just rolls the defender and hits it first time. It's a completely mm. speculative effort, but it was right in the top corner. It was a screamer. It, I think just because we've been under the cosh as well, it sticks out. And after that, being so dominant, Hibs just completely folded. Like They never they never looked like they were going to actually score again at any point. A few high balls in the box and stuff. And we ended up seeing it relatively comfortable. And I, I thought for 20 minutes we were going to get such a pump in that game. And that, that goal, just top corner for 25 yards. Oh, fucker. That would have been 2013, I think, yeah? Uh, aye, aye. I can remember it now. I was at uh, college with Daniel Reed, who is Charlie Reed, the Proclaimer's son. And mm-hmm. we were sitting the day of that game in the college, and he was going, This is it. I'm fucking sick of playing these bastards. And we fucking pummeled them, and they fucking score run at the park and score. We're going to fucking annihilate them tonight. Anyway, come in the next game, Dean just looked at me again. <laughs> fucking like, <laughs> nay words were necessary, you know. Okay, Jose, number five for Hibernian. I'm just going to quickly go into that and just say, fucking hell, I can't believe this has been brought up again. It was like, oh my, it was phone me yesterday, Johnny, I said, ah, it's like, this is totally reminding me of that fucking Ryan Stevenson game. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, ah, so I fucking multiple fucking bitches in the same weekend. Fuck off, Paul. <laughs> uh, right, my number five is Abdusalam Benjaloon and wasn't it against Hertz? It was against St Johnston. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was League Cup semi-final at Tynecastle. Uh, Hibs were 1-0 up and he, it was an extra time it was an extra time it was, uh, two th- it was 2007 it was when Hibs last won the League Cup and got the ball in the box and he basically skinned three defenders like so he'd done a couple of fucking dips in the shoulder so he walked on the keeper and then fucking walked the ball into the net and I can't remind who it was but there was a St Johnston player who fucking tried to fucking maim him like if they'd fucking scored just because he'd fucking taken a piss quite so much with it it was like but I can mind saying in the game Hibs hardly played that great in that game uh, but they won that up and it was like we've got to see this out and it was like you go to the box so you like and just just at the edge of the box and it was and like you could probably take this to the corner flag and it'd be fine but nah he just fucking so he just kept on dipping his shoulders both ways and just fucking throwing defenders all over the place okay. it, was, it was a brilliant goal it was a brilliant goal but it was like it was one of these things but it was a moment as well so it was good ok uh, my number four was at Easter Road and it was Jackie McNamara 1995 against Hibs now we'll not go into the fact that we've previously discussed that both myself and Jose separately were thrown out this game uh, I did manage to get back in but the reason that I picked it, it was a brilliant goal, it was a brilliant team goal, a great pass for Donnelly over the top, McNamara volleys it in the top corner, goes mental, it was a big personal moment for him obviously because Hibs had rejected him as a youngster, but it just was kind of like the beginning of the fight back he Celtic, and Tommy Burns and the football and all that was starting to get well and that, and that would kind of epitomise with that goal, we went when he won the game 4-0, although it's... Every time I watch it, I can remember that goal like it was yesterday. See the three other goals. I was that drunk. I couldn't. I still can't remember them. Even when I watched them, I can't remember anything. Seeing them at the time, but I um, mean that was just it was it was absolutely brilliant that goal. Um, as I say, as I say, they met the start of the kind of fight back. Uh, Paul, you're number four. Uh, number four would probably be uh, Maurizio Pania up at Aberdeen, mm-hmm. um, 2006-7 season. It was just a really like we we signed Pania and he was obviously a head case and we all thought we were getting this like you didn't know what you're getting and at this point we thought he was a superstar because he'd scored like two two absolute fuckers in two games but it was just a great team goal it was like something like nine nine ten passes one twos went down the line there was two back heels involved and the ball just got played across Bednar back heeled it into the path of Pania who started the move at the centre half 
centre half line, and it was just a brilliant sweeping move, and it's just a good finish in the bottom corner. It's just one of them where you you really enjoy watching the the move rather than it just being a strike or whatever. But it sticks in my mind. Okay, your number four, Jose. Uh, this this was an obscure one. I had to go back and check what year it was, and it was 1982. Mm-hmm. And it was Ali McLeod played for Hibs. Like Ali McLeod, people won't be remember him at all, but he was one of one of the sort of like like sort of Scottish fucking like sort of forwards, mm-hmm. where he was fucking fat, lazy, and wildly talented. He was just he was he was a really really good player, but it uh, it was a game against Dundee. Like Hibs won the game two one. And it's like it's the earliest goal that I can remember. It's mm-hmm. the earliest goal that I can remember for like being at a game. And it was, uh, it was a free kick. Uh, I've had a free kick, it's about 20 yards out or something. And he's got the free kick and he just put it like right into the post of the stand, top corner. And the referee fucking like said the wall wasn't back 10 yards, you need to retake it. <laughs> it was like, which it was just the absolute fucking fury and rage. So I kind of think, think at that time, like, it feels like there was a lot less sort of goals with direct free kicks mm. than there are these days. And it's like, so it was unusual. It felt so, like yeah. it was unusual to like score a fucking direct free kick. So anyway, so we got made to retake it and he retook it and put in the opposite postage stamp. So the first one was like, so you're sighting me on the terrace, right. so he put in the top right, top right of the goals and then he got to retake it and he put in the top left of the fucking goals like fucking from the retake and it was like that. It was absolutely fucking brilliant. And it's like, it's one of these things that if it if it just been the goal, then it wouldn't be in the top one. But it's the fact that he put in fucking mm. like both top corners like within the space of about fucking thirty seconds or something. It was like that. It was absolutely brilliant. Aye, I mean uh, when David Provence scored a direct free kick in the nineteen eighty five Scottish Cup final, he was only the third player to ever do it in a Scottish Cup final. And the other two were in the same game for Morton in the nineteen twenties or something. Something always stuck in my head. So aye, it was definitely not something. Well, certainly the Alan Ruff knew anything about when he went and played against Brazil, <laughs> that's for sure. But, uh, I'm, 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 still, I'm still fucking objecting. It's like that. Alan Ruff, I in a move. It was like right in the top corner. He was not see what fucking like. Alan Ruff's in goal. Aye. Um, okay, so <laughs> number three for me is um, <laughs> Henrik in the 6-2 game, the lob. You know, um, the the significance obviously putting six past the Huns after you know a decade of fucking shite and um, you know nutmegging Cornerman chipping Kloss, I mean the, the the scenes after that goal were just fucking unbelievable like you know, um, and it was kind of like after Henrik had broke his leg the previous season, and sort of it was a bit ring rusty shall we say, and um, that was a game where people were I remember distinctly people were like. You know, is he going to be good enough and all that kind of thing? But you know, he scored two, set up two. He was absolutely phenomenal, and that that you know, I would watch it a million times just seeing Kloss's face. You know, the EBT getting fucked. Okay, Paul, number three. Well, three was also down there at Easter Road. Alim Ostuck in the in the championship season, just just for a pure strike, and you weren't expecting it in the slightest. It was about forty yards out. Mm. We were one nothing, one nothing down. We started the season unbeaten and we were about to lose our unbeaten record at Easter Road the 92nd minute and the centre half strides up and you just everybody is just in the sand shooting did he fucking hit did he hit and he's just struck it big dip big swerve probably never hit one ever like that again in his career <laughs> and no it's shit. an absolute pound of money 
It was Pandemonium. I do Different. remember that one. What year was that? Uh, 15, 16. Right. 15. Aye, I do remember. No. Was it? 2014, 15. Aye, 14, 15, aye, sorry, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15 and I'm walking down Leith Walk and I heard this fucking roar come up. I'm like, what the fuck's that? And then it was only when I got home I realised it was Hibs scoring at Easter Road against Hertz. And it was Stephen Fletcher that scored the goal. And if I remember he serves, I think it was Bruno... Was it Agua? Agua scored Aye. a free kick equaliser and it was his first game that season. Aye, it'd been in for about a year. Because that was another game I'd bet Hibs to win and fucking... Anyway, I did also I actually... Missed, I missed it. I missed the Fletcher goal because it was like 30 seconds in and I was still in the turnstile queue side because it was a massive queue. So in my eyes, we won that game one nothing. So. I remember actually coming, leaving Hosey's house once and it was, Hertz were playing Rangers at Tyne Castle and it was, I'll tell you when it was, it was the same night Man United first played Galatasaray when there was all the baller over there. Ken mm. and fucking all the welcome to hell stuff. And I was walking past, so leaving Hosey's, but walking sort of the back way towards where the library was and I heard a roar. And when I'd left Hosey's house, him and Hunza were in 2-0. And it was Hertz equalising. 2-all it was the game. And I heard that in fucking your house for, for Gorgie, aye. It's, it all yeah. depends on it. I mean, sometimes, you know, I've st- I remember standing outside Dane's Park when Mike Galloway scored and never heard a fucking thing. You know, it, it mm. just it depends on the wind and that. Anyway. Okay, Hosey, number three. What is your magic number? Uh, uh, the edge of the box, like the sort of side of the box. And Robbie Nielsen was there and Riordan, every time Hibs played Hertz, he was like that fucking Riordan would turn around and try to fucking play against Robbie Nielsen because Nielsen just had that absolute fucking fear bill. And Nielsen sort of stood back and he gave him like sort of five yards. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not going to let you fucking go around me. So Riordan, he took like one touch, just fucking stepped inside and then just fucking just absolutely fucking leveled it. Like, so he ended the opposite to corner. And it was just, I just fucking sort of rifled in. Aye. It was like sort of 35 yards. And it's, it's one of these ones where it's where you are at the game as well. It, it's where you're watching it for you. And the angle that I'm at, as soon as he hit it, it's like, that's a goal. It's mm. like, that fucking hasn't even fucking reached the box yet. And it's like, that's it. That's an absolutely no fucking stop that at all. Aye, it's um, an absolute screamer. Yeah, that's yeah. my problem. I do like the team goals and that kind of, and I could have picked a few, but the one I'm picking for my second is, um, unfortunately, it was scored by Judas at Love Street, 86. Brilliant passing move. We just went 2-0 up. Almost everybody in the team passed the ball at pace. Great skill with Paul McStay and Danny McGray and moved on to Roy Aitken, then Brian McClure, then over to Judas uh, to make it 3-0 after we'd been 2-0 up a minute earlier. 
and at that point, 10,000 Hertz fans' bottles crashed at Dens Park, I think, because um, it was just one of the ones. It was in the pissing rain as well. We're wearing the lime green strips, and it was one of the things where you thought, well, at least if we didn't win the league today, we've seen something pretty special, and um, it certainly turned out to be very special. Uh, Paul, number two. Um, yes, it wasn't. It wasn't much a, a game. It didn't mean that much. But um, just in terms of the, the quality, and it was uh, Ricardo Fjord against Motherwell. Mm-hmm. He scored a solo. He scored a solo goal for us. The game was quite tight. We're two one up. Was it in Castle? It was. I Motherwell aye. were so like two thousand one, I think, mm. and they they were pushing bodies for equaliser, and it just broke to him like deep in his own half, and he just went off for there. He beat like four players, I think it was, rounded the goalie. And, it, and it avoided the boy trying to actually assault him on the line to stop him scoring just to roll it into the net but it, it just picked up I'd never seen a goal like that for Hearts it just kept beating individual players Aye. the whole length the of the pitch and it just always stuck with me it was an absolute Aye. belt he was a quality player he was ruined by injury really, really wasn't he he got a bad injury Aye. he was never the same again we, like, you know. we, I'm sure we could have signed him permanently after his loan deal for something like 500,000 mm-hmm. and Chris Robinson wouldn't sanction it but at that time like we fucking spent 500 grand on Gordon Petrich, you know what I mean? Like, we refused to pay for Fuller. And he would have been an incredible save, but obviously he moved to Preston and he got a couple of bad injuries and it completely ruined him. Speaking of Gordon Petrich, do you remember that story Chris told about him at the cinema? <laughs> he's sitting watching the film when he's, he's in. in he's, 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 I mean, I'm saying obviously it's Chris, so he may have told you a different version, but the version he told me was he was up at the the Fountain Bridge Cinema and it was in between he had to do the ground staff work and it was like there was a couple of hours break so he was killing a couple of hours so he walks into the cinema and there's Gordon Petrich sitting there on his own not a single person in the cinema watching the film can't remember what the film was Chris didn't know him that well or whatever at the time Chris went and sat down and he said about half an hour into the film Gordon Petrich just stood up looked at him and went this is shit and walked out (laughs) (laughs) so that was that uh, and just another thing, by the way, we talked about Hibs Herskies, I may have made it serious to you actually. There was what there was a game on during the week. And I can't even really remember it at the time or that. Craig Levine looked to be twelve and it was a manager. Hibs fucking pummeled Hertz for the first half. Gary O'Connor scored early. And Hertz ended up winning the game with a Stephen Presley penalty. Aye. Aye, aye. It was a great game like, but fucking how Hibs okay. lost it, I'll never know. Um, I'm feeling a, th- I'm feeling a theme reoccurring well, here. The freeze, <laughs> the freeze hips that didn't come from anywhere. Okay, number two, Jose. Number two for me is Dominic Wonga against Aberdeen and League Cup season that we season that uh, Hibs won the championship. Like, so Hibs season would go well again, so that must be uh, 2014. That would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hibs hadn't started off that season well. Hibs hadn't started that season off well at all. Uh, and it was kind of it was kind of expected. So I think I think that season it was it felt a bit like Hibs had prepared for getting relegated for a year basically, and Hibs really really fucking on me and new manager and so all sort of stuff like that started off the season with a squad which was fucking non-existent, like loads of new players getting signed and fucking like nobody cared what the fuck was going on. But it looked like we were potentially going to be a good side. But Aberdeen were doing quite well that season. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that was maybe their first defeat of the season. Mm. Uh, so but the actual goal was Hibs were two one up and 
I'd been sort of fighting, probably know the better side, but had been at least competitive. Two one up, so a couple of minutes to go, and Aberdeen had a corner. It was a corner, a free kick. It was a cross into the box anyway, and Abdi's back for Hibs. Dominic Malongo standing ten yards outside the box or something, just in case there's any sort of clearance, and he's picked the ball up ten yards out. He just and he just started running. He just started running. I mean, it wasn't that fast, but it was like he was good with the ball at his feet and. It was, it was kind of similar to Benjo Lungo I mentioned earlier, where he just kept on dipping his shoulder and fucking like, so he turned in fucking like, and he just ended up running straight through. And like, a really nice be finished. That's the reason why I've got a bit higher. It's just because he's just sort of clipped in at the bottom corner, fucking having ran fucking 80 yards to fucking just inside the box. And there was three Aberdeen players at that point, or random, and none of them, none of them. None of them even managed to get a tackle on just because he'd fucking turn around and fucking like just kept on fucking moving. So it was mm-hmm. like the army going to be able to get a tackle and the army going to be able to get a tackle on. And it was, it was like an absolutely fucking brilliant goal. Went absolutely berserk when they went in as well. So it was, it was, aye, it was good. Okay, it was really, so really good. we're down to the best, the very best. Now, anybody that knows me will not be surprised about my choice. I bang on about it all the time. I've also fucking basically written a book about it. So I'll no labour it. It is, of course, Jakonovsky, Easter Road, December 89. Great because we were playing shit all season and we went to that game. Hibs were not actually that great as well at the time, obviously. Um, Chris Reed had the ball kicked out. Jackanowski trapped it on his um, just on the cusp of the the, the centre circle, trapped it on his uh, right knee and then volleyed it right back over Chris Reed to his left knee. The kind of goal that people actually take a breath and go, did that actually just fucking happen? Boom. Uh, but if you want to read about it in more detail, Paul's goals in Hesselink, great book. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Paul. Number one, number one. Um, oh, we just seem to have lost Paul. Hi, he is uh, gone. So we'll go to your number one goal, Jose, until he comes back. If he hopefully does come back, he's deliberately fucking avoided this. Was it? He doesn't hear this one. Uh, Russell was happy. So keep going. Oh, Russell, sorry, no, Paul, still you know, you've lost you completely there. Jose, keep going. Uh, aye, so my number one is Russell Latapi, uh, sixth goal, uh, Hibs six, Hearts two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hibs have been absolutely fucking battering the Hearts all game. My match was Nehemi, who'd been fucking brilliant in goals. And again, it was a good move. So, you know, like, Latapi's picked the ball up, picked the ball up, so maybe 30 yards out or something, and just started running. The Hearts defenders started backing off him a wee bit, but they had him covered, mm-hmm. had, him, had him totally covered. He just slipped the ball and fucking slipped the ball into somebody who's like fucking got the back to goal and they've just fucking sort of flicked it fucking sort of like back up at fucking height and he's just ran in and fucking volleyed it fucking like so he's right in the fucking corner of the goals. Just an absolutely brilliant goal and also the sixth goal in the sixth two game. I mean it was the thing, the thing the thing that prompted me a sing realistically, we want seven. Mm. I, guess. <laughs> I mean it, what impressed me, the, the movement and that was great, but it was the it was the injection of pace that he'd done with after he played the ball, I think, to John O'Neill, who flicked it back over. <laughs> I was actually thinking that I, I think it was John. I was I was going to say Pat Lane, and I was like, it wasn't Pat Lane. Mm-hmm. Pat Lane was in the centre of the box, fucking taking defenders yeah. away. So it was like and, I, I think it probably was John. Because O'Neill. what what I think it did was it increased the level of power he could hit the ball with, and it was an unstoppable shot. Whereas that was just a ball floating in the air type thing that a lot of people might have, you know. But it was it was a brilliant goal. Okay, Paul. So we lost you there. I think because you're so used to fanning about with your phone and Steph, what to catch you masturbate in, you keep touching it all the time and it's fucking up. 
added to the <laughs> fact that we now know that your sex mirrors are looked onto by an open window. <laughs> right, um, hopefully you can hear me all right. I, I unfortunately clocked back in for Jose's goal. I'd, I'd prefer to have missed it. Right. Um, <laughs> my, my number one was uh, Austin McCann against Celtic in 2003. Oh, fucking hell. Just because it was, it was a, a game where both teams needed to win. Celtic obviously were trying to, uh, I think you were behind Rangers at that point in, in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were pushing for Europe. So we, mm. we needed to win, starting to stutter a bit. And we were 1 0 doing, uh, I think Stamp pulled them back about 15 minutes to go, and it looked like it was finishing a draw. Celtic, if anyone was going to score, Celtic more likely. And uh, Celtic played the ball in the box, uh, but he just broke away from the edge of the box. Um, Scott Severin rolled it into the party, McCann at the other end. 20, 20 yards out maybe 23 24 yards out and he's just hit first time mm. the guy the guy never scored the goal for us he didn't even look to score yeah. hit first time right as an arrow right into the far away top corner and mm. off the post it was an absolute fuckery a strike it just always sticks in my mind I, th- I think because the game actually meant something as well to us mm. I think we've got a good insight into the, the kind of mindset and average jambo you know the best goal ever was some speculative shot by a cunt that's never done anything like that before or since. Uh, that's what they are. That's what they are. They're all these fucking hibs and it's just like that. Somebody just fucking aye, punted aye, them. Aye, aye, there's a, there's like, a team. A brief gusty fucking wind fucking like so he gathers the ball and it fucking ends up going in the top corner. Aye. It's like that. I, 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 I remember <laughs> fucking Wally Jameson doing the same to us when he think Castle was being redeveloped. We're two right. up cruising and he scored one fucking... You know, he'd never done anything like that in his life before. Bang, top corner. Typical, well, fucking terrible, isn't it? typical jumbo bastards. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so okay, you know, here's a wee bit of discussion we could have because this is going to come to the fore very, very soon. You would think season tickets. Now we have privately discussed season tickets, and I believe Jose, you've got a crack unit ready to storm Mister Road and kill everybody if you didn't get value for one of your season tickets soon. I'm struggling to see, other than the fucking diehards, how people are going to invest. In any kind of season ticket, unless there's a guarantee they're going to be into football matches next season. I mean, what, what's your uh, thoughts personally, Paul? Me, um, I, I think you're right. I think, I, I think you're right. Um, I think there'll be each each couple will probably have a, a core set of mm. numbers that I'll, I'll do it regardless because I'll see it as probably like a a donation to help keep the club going. Uh, or whatever. But a lot of people, people uh, bobs but that. A, a lot of people. When you be able to justify paying money for something they're not getting for two years in a row, it's as simple as that. So, uh, unless unless there's some concrete new stuff coming out in the summer when it's renewal time and stuff like that, in terms of how things are looking in terms of return to games, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a hard it's going to be a hard sell for clubs. Definitely, I don't I don't know how people can justify four or five hundred quid no. if they're not going. And a good chunk, a good amount of time, it's not just four or five hundred quid. It's a Two people in a household, or three, you know, a family go, or something like that. So it's a, it's a very clubs will be worried about it definitely. Is that? I mean, that sounds like a conversation that maybe Steph put the pressure on me. So, I'm not <laughs> no, no, I, bo- I bought two this year. Aye, but aye, I'm talking about next year though. But Jose, before I, I come to you, before I come to you, right? Um, your 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 regular correspondent has been in touch again, Mister Thomas Shine, right? And I, this is a really good one, actually, again. And this guy clearly listens, right? Because what he said was, when you were talking about last week, you were uh, updating your mate about the game because for, for reasons he didn't know, he wasn't watching it, right? Tam Shine's question is, what on earth could he possibly have been doing 
if he wasn't watching the game and he put a PS in which is if he's a key worker I profoundly apologise <laughs> what, what, what was the game I can't, I can't remember what it was that too. the Kilmarnock game I honestly cannot remember you what I Remember we were giving you stick for posting the Gorgic goal while the games were going on and you said you were posted it to somebody because they weren't watching the game? No, no, I never. I, it's like, it was one, one of my mates had posted that, had posted that in a, the group chat for somebody who was working. Right. It was somebody who was working at the time. So, right. that, that, oh, I, so they are a key worker. I, I, uh, I, I, they probably are actually. They probably are. Working a bank, they work in a bank, and he was like, I can't think he was working that day, so it was, I think that probably is fucking Kevin. There's a key, there's a key worker to be honest. Bastards should be hung, yeah. I mean, key workers, fucking banks. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Tam, we can't really get much truck out of that. He's come up with a kind of you know, reasonable thing. Well, we're going to eviscerate the cunt, whoever it was. But let, but you also mentioned um, the fact that you're, you know, you're, you're kind of core groupy hubs bastards. Are uh, considering no going to, or certainly not buying tickets for EC tickets for Hibs next season. I mean, what's the kind of consensus among your core group? Some, some are, some, some are going to get on, some aren't they? And I mean, the one, the ones that aren't, they, if they go, if they're going to be going to games, then it's like, aye, that's fine. We'll buy a season ticket, no problem. But I think it's one, it's one that I think we've touched on quite a lot. Where. Getting a season ticket, it's got to fit, well, aye, mm. and you're watching the game. But it's, you're turning around and buying the fucking experience, but I've got to the game, I'm going mm. to the game with a few of my mates, we're going to catch a couple of beers sort of like before the game, we're going to catch a couple of beers after. The actual, the actual watching of the football is, it's no incidental yet. Oh, I totally get it. It's no incidental yet, but it's not really what you're doing. You're turning around and saying I'm going to be spending the money to turn around to, uh, this is the club that I support fucking sweet stuff like that but you only got the games if you only got the games then you only getting the value for it mm-hmm. and it's like and I think I think lots of people this year turn around and went Ken what the clubs are going to be absolutely right. fucking struggling here and we'll turn around and basically goodness of our we'll fucking turn around and fucking like so you give them we fucking so you like bye we'll be buying a season ticket see what but you I think just people say, expect to, aye. see what you just said there about the what, experience I think that counts mere with Hibs and Hertz than almost any other teams and I'll tell you why possibly with the exception of Dundee and United the locations of the grounds are the best in Scotland you know it's surrounded by uh, transport surrounded by pubs surrounded by amenities and all that kind of thing and I've, as, as you well know Jose I've had a million brilliant different experience, great experiences at Easter Road win, lose or draw because of the proximity of you know public houses to the ground and all that kind of thing I've got a feeling, and both these can comment on this for your point, Rosie, that that experience is becoming more and more unique for people in terms of even before that people didn't think, you know, when I was young, your Saturday night started at half nine in the fucking morning, you know, and that's when you went. Nowadays, people, they can't wait to get to their fucking cars. Didn't get me started on all these pricks that get up at 10 and try and justify it, you know, 10 minutes to go, they've got to leave, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's not about experience, is it? I mean, that, I mean, I mean, Paul, have you got, have you got any mates? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you, you can, you're the same experience as Hosey, aren't you? You're a few pints before, a few pints after, you know. Uh, it's usually, it's usually a good excuse to see my brother on that as well, like Mark, that's where I go to the games, mate. Mark Dick. I'm, I'm, 
Aye. <laughs> I've got a Mark Dick update coming later, so don't worry. Aye. No, but like, aye, it's a good place to see your pals, catch up, a pint or two before the game, sometimes after, depend, like, depending on results and stuff. But I do think that there's there's an element of support as well. You're right that they may have that that outlook and it's a day out or it's like it's a it's more than just a game. As you say, people that leave with ten minutes to go because they've got to catch a train or catch a bus, like get the next one. Like, you're mm-hmm. you're going to the football. You know what I mean? Like that's why you're there. So, but, but I, I, I is, think, see the thing about that, Paul. There'll be people screaming, going, "Ah, oh, but I need to do this and do that," and I, you know, it's all right. But this is the experience. We need to try and do things differently. We need, you know, to take you back. It was I mean, one of the best fucking days I ever had at Easter Road. We got gubbed, which was um, we'd been at the race night the night before. Then we were at um, Pierce's early doors. Then the on bar. We ain't doing it in the gate. That's absolutely paralytic, right? No two ways about it. Bright sun in April, okay, that way. Get into the game, and before I knew it, we we're seen out doing. And <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And I was with Rab McVicker, Hosey's mate, and um, he was. Uh, Gone crazy, as drunk as me, I was gone crazy. And this postman come up to us and said to Rab, who was he's older than me, thing, shut the fuck up, I'm not going to tell you again. So Rab kind of looked at him and said, Who the fuck is he talking to? And he's like, ah, If you fucking open your mouth one more time, I'm going to fucking lift you. And that's not what I want to do, because you came what I'd want to do. I'd let you stand here and watch your team get fucked, you Ouija bastard. Right? That's what the postman said to him. <laughs> to which Rab, you know, uh, diplomatically replied, I'm for Edinburgh, you fascist fucking bastard. <laughs> See you later. We'll get you in St. Leonard's on, you know. Um, but they, they were brilliant, you know what I mean? And then you'd come out and, you know, did they fucking matter? I mean, but, but I guess the experience, oh, Christ, I mean, honestly, I'd probably survive a, a day like that with, with Paul now that I meet Hosey because Paul doesn't really buy drink, you know? <laughs> um, but, like, you know, as the whole experience is... And also, I mean, I, I've said for ages I'm not going to buy a scene next season. That was regardless of COVID, regardless of anything. Um, I'll still go to the odd few games and stuff like that, but I'll pick and choose because I'm not... The regime changes fair enough. But... It is that communal thing, as Hosey says, that you know you go with your mates, and that. I mean that, that that's what makes it good, bad, or indifferent. The game you can be utter shite, but if you've got people with you, and that's kind of what you were talking about, Paul, after the cup final, where win, lose, or draw, you've not got people who are surrounding you to either help you console or celebrate with you, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just sit there stewing your own thoughts about it, and it fucking makes it worse. Whereas, like the cup final the year before, I was obviously gutted, but by the mm-hmm. time. A couple of beers in Cam Doon, you, you thought playing a good team, and you, you see it, you see the clearer picture more quickly. I think mm. it, the, the edge comes off it a bit easier. Whereas for the previous cup final of the other month, I was gutted for days, it actually stuck with me for ages. Aye, I mean, listen, I was the same, I was absolutely over the moon until five minutes after the game, and they gave me a in the job. But there you go. <laughs> um, but the other thing about that, Posey, and this is kind of something as well, is if, for example, you're at a semi or final against Hertz or Huns, whatever, you know. I can relate to you being there in the sense of what you'll be feeling after the, whatever the result is. And, um, you know, that comes for a shared experience. It comes for a, a long line of suffering and fucking watching rubbish and all the rest of it. I think clubs are really playing with fire with that kind of thing. Now. I really do. Because I just didn't think there is that, what Hosey said at the start, clubs are going to be fucked, we better give them money. Where's the recognition of that? 
I think they're going to have to get creative as well. Like they might not be if they don't know that you're going to have fans back early doors. Sell like a bundle of streams or something like for the first four games, and you can buy a package and then season tickets after mm-hmm. or back or anything like that. I I don't think they can just go and ask for a full season ticket again next season with any kind of. I mean, aren't, any has, kind of aren't you supposed to get three games next season? Well, any games. So our season tickets count as streams per thing, right? But there's less games. So any we're not getting in what would be a normal season ticket package, we should get next season. But I think the club are going to have to ask people to write that off, otherwise that's going to take a big chunk of next season's season ticket bills. <laughs> and there's no guarantee to get in, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, if, I, think, I think they've done it with good intentions. Just one I, final thing on that. Have you ever thrown away your season ticket in disgust at a performance no, I, I don't know once. I don't know once, but it was the last game of the season. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the time I done it right was uh, we played Motherwell at semi final of the cup nineteen ninety one. Do no go beat four two in a replay, and I was absolutely fucking raging. Only seventeen, obviously. Came home, all the posters off the wall, season ticket in the bucket. We played St Mirren at Celtic Park on a Sunday, and I went and had to pay in. <laughs> fucking mental. Okay, so we'll move swiftly on from there And talking about mascots Not really much content But we thought we'd get a go um, My mascots are a bit of a bizarre phenomenon Aren't they? I mean, it was kind of this was all part of the As Frank Skinner said When the day they decided to let in posh people and women to football Ken. Um, <laughs> the, uh, You know, the obvious ones I mean, I'm going to say my favourite one, right is For, for no reason other than the fact that Sammy the Tammy Right, I just love how excited Dunfermline fans, not the fans, the club get about it's Sammy the Tammy, and no matter how many times you go to Eastern Park, they're still coming. Who the fuck's this? Who's this cunt? You know what I mean? Um, we have special mention, of course, to the Paisley Panda who just seems to excel in upsetting Morton fans. I mean, that's fucking incredible, brilliant. But Paul, Hertz have got a bit of checkered history with mascots. Do you want to elaborate got, on that? We've got, we've had like, well, we had the, the mascots, Chunky Chicken mascot, it was the mm. scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. We think it was going to murder somebody. Um, then we had, the first one I remember having was Harry Harry. Aye, that's where we're He was just to, a guy. Aye, but we're getting into the checkered history of Harry Harry. You know what, you know, remember that story now? Oh, yeah, Alan McCoy's? Yes. Aye. Aye. I've absolutely no idea how that came about either. Like, bizarre. It was like Hearts versus like, St. Johnson or something. I mean, he bought it at the time as Harry Harriers. It was still like Rangers played at the time as well. So mm-hmm. I've absolutely no idea. It's fucking odd. But I, Harry Harry was just a guy. It was a really shite mascot. Jose, um, um, what about Hibs? Hibs? Hibs have never had the funny mascot. Mm-hmm. Like, fucking, it's like those. I think there's a theoretical fucking like Leaf Links, like Leaf Links is the fucking like mascot, and it's like, and I've never seen it. But in fairness, I've never been by Leaf Links. Links like it's a link. It's a Links. Oh, a Links, right? Sorry, I mean in the fucking playing fields. It's the Leaf Links. It's like that. Aye, but I've never seen it. I think I've got I've I've got a feeling it maybe it maybe does exist. But it's never like never pretty. I think there's a family thing. And Hosey's breaking uh, up a wee bit there. Uh, I think Hosey's now into collapse, state of collapse. Put anybody there? I think he's need uh, phone back in maybe. Five 
<laughs> Aye, Jose, we lost you completely there. You were late Norman Collier for our over 35 listeners. And then we lost Paul as well at some point. Um, okay, anyway. But we, we, we caught me there, like, but it was um, the leaf links thing threw me completely. I just thought, Plainfields is a fucking mascot. What the fuck? <laughs> I'll tell you, I've only got one real mascot story, right? It was in 2002. An Albert kid had come over and it was got him to David Paradise windfall at half time, which meant that, you know, he was going out in the pitch and that kind of thing. And we're sitting there and about five minutes before half time, and then he kind of come along and said, This is what's going to happen or anything, right? So I was like, For fuck's sake, I better go and sort of see what's going on, right? So I fucking in the bills, he said, I'll take part, the game's going on. And uh, I went to this room and Hoopy the Huddle Hound was sitting in the room where he's back to me, talking to this guy, and his exact words were, So you're going out tonight, eh? <laughs> He's wearing the full costume, right? And I absolutely knocked the door, and they were like, "Oh, I said, oh, I've got a bucket. All oh, right, I need bother. I just bring him doing that. Like fucking hell, it was so surreal. I mean, if I'd been a child, that'd have been my dream shattered. Like you know, um, Huns Broxy Bear, nearly all the Apart from that, obviously, I thought Hosey would have probably been the best person to talk about that bizarre Pathic Thistle thing. I fucking love I love that like fucking Kingsley it's absolutely tremendous it's just the scariest fucking mascot that's ever existed it's like Paul's talking about the Marshall's chunky chicken like fucking one being scary mm. like fucking Kingsley it's like it's the evil fucking like sort of face on it it's just absolutely tremendous I fucking and it did, love it it did get them a lot of publicity as well Paul didn't it I don't know it done its job like definitely all over, the, all over the social media like mm. and all the everybody was talking about it you ever seen the one, the one of the worst ones I've ever seen? Have you ever seen the Wiggins mascot? It's a pie. It's called Krusty. It's literally just a pie with legs. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. That's fucking brilliant. Like, I've been to Wigan a few times via Liverpool, wouldn't I? I can see why it's a fucking pie, to be honest. All right. Uh, another wee dip into nostalgia now is uh, we're talking about phone-ins. Radio phone-ins, newspaper phone-ins. Now, obviously... A wee bit before your time, Paul, but Hosey and I were able to, you know, um, find out and hear later on about people like James Sanderson, um, who was, you know, an absolute icon of the phone-ins, you know, would religiously say to folk, um, you'd hear it on the bus and that going back, somebody would phone up with an opinion, you know, and uh, say, well, he's not good enough, blah, 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 and Sanderson, would you at the game? <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, I'm losing there, I've got, no, I'm sorry, even their opinion's no valid then. <laughs> and you know, and only an excuse done a famous take was you remember when uh, you see the guy was we yet the game no I said I couldn't um, I was at my wife's funeral like yeah well how long does a funeral last like <laughs> I've, I've I've had to spend a lot of money like, oh Christ you must have some money coming to you now your wife's just died. The one that always used to get my kill with that, like fucking, obviously it's in the days before mobile phones. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so that fucking question, oh, were you at the game? The fucking phone ins, the phone ins happened like 15 minutes after the final whistle. I know. So it's like, so you're basically limiting this to either people who were arsed enough to have remembered the phone number and went to your phone box or fucking lived within fucking like 10 minutes walking their stadium. It's like, fucking hell, man. It's like, it's quite a fucking filter you're putting on that there. Were you at the game? Well, no. It's and like, it, otherwise it, I wouldn't be able to fucking phone you. And it basically <laughs> ends up being the same people every week phoning up. Okay, and guys that never set foot in the fucking the games, 
Who often within 10 minutes, or who stay within 10 minutes walking the fucking group. I think it's guys that think they're celebrities because they've been on it once and they'll put the phone up again every week. I think you've got the baby Scott. I went through a, a stage of writing into, like, emailing into the evening news, cut like they used to do, like a column thing the day after me, people's views. And because mm-hmm. I got printed one, I was like 13, 14 or something, and I kept sending them, thinking I was some kind of star getting my name in the paper. I was literally just. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can still remember the fateful day having the radio on on a Saturday morning and listening to Radio Scotland, and there was Jose on the phone trying to claim that Kevin Harper was the best player in Scotland. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Rosie. But when you were asked whoever it was, it was you were talking to, why? I think you just said because he just is. Who <laughs> 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 was it? You can remember who you were talking to then, no? I can't. I can't. No, I, I couldn't mind. It was Radio Scotland. I could mind for that. I was like, I'm pretty sure it was pissed. I was like, you sure it was like? No, no, no. It was a Saturday morning. It was definitely a Saturday. I remember. I remember. We were just about to leave what, for the game. Was, and as I say, well, what's your point, caller? <laughs> I mean, because I, mean, I think one of the, the the best moments I ever remember about the phone-ins, I'm sure you remember this, even Paul, um, was when Jim Trainer and Chick Young had a fight about who the biggest hun was. I mean, that was fucking brilliant. And who had done them the most favours and who had been the biggest lackey and all that. It was just like, do you daft cunts realise you're on the air? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and it's incredible to think that I mean Jim Jim Trainer's life's a bit bizarre. You know he's the editor of Daily Record. Then he gets a job with uh, Radio Scotland, and then he gets bumped for that. He gets a job with the Huns. He gets mm-hmm. bumped for that, and then he starts a PR company for called Level Five, who then did the Huns PR. Mm-hmm. Pretty 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 bizarre. I I followed him once actually in Waterstones in Glasgow. He was pretty, he was looking at a Lee Child book. And I just spotted this is when he was at the Huns, and I just kept following him around the Waterstones. He was on the phone, and you could tell he was going, he was sort of pretending to talk to somebody, but he was actually looking to see why this daft cunt was following him, like, you know. And uh, I did take a picture of him as well that day, I'm fucking mental. Anyway, but the phone ends, so, I. So basically, so basically, you stalked the gym trainer. Well, I mean, he was fucking firing bullets at us all the time. He had some kind of to do something, Ken. Um, but the I, I mean it's a long lost I mean it's, you still get the Radio Clyde phone and people honestly I've, I've never listened to it the Radio Clyde thing and then people every night oh it's fucking this and that's shouting but what are you listening to it for? Uh-huh. <laughs> it upsets you so much like Ken listen to the same I used people. to listen I used to listen to did you ever listen to like the real radio one like Ruffy aye aye and Cameron and it, it started off alright and then they basically just turned it in because it was just two guys having a laugh mm-hmm. Ruffy especially was good um, and then all of a sudden like that Ewan Cameron thought he was like talk sport or something uh, he just tried to wake up all the time that's right. it was just it went, it went to shit but it was quite for a while it was quite enjoyable I remember they had a one time I listened to it and um, Ewan Cameron was saying that Alan Ruff was supposed to meet him at some place and he turned up an hour late and he was like, well, he was kind of the full outrage type thing. And it was, it, it sounded like, at that point, it was like Jose had walked into the fucking studio. Because he was like, so where, where, what kept you? And he's like, well, first of all, he said, I went, into, I went and had a pint of lager. And <laughs> I remember listening and going, this is like fucking Jose. He actually thinks that's a good excuse to we'll turn up for something an hour late. Like, eh? But you're right, I think he Why did. Why were you late? Why were you late? I stopped for a pint. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it did get far too confrontational and there's folk threatening, up to, threatening to kill him and all that, fucking phoning up and you're going to get done in. Also, remember, do you ever remember their commentary of the Scotland uh, Norway, Norway game? When Illumina fucking missed the sitter and they both thought he had scored. 
and then fucking eventually Ruffy goes he's missed it <laughs> and there's this kind of realisation like you know uh, the old phones but, but before we come off that topic and start to uh, wrap up Paul have you got a confession to make? what confession? Uh, regarding phonons phonons <laughs> I, I'll, I'll put the fact that you put me up to this. Well, this is 34 years ago. Uh, no, 24 years ago, sorry. Uh, um, so I was 10 years ago. The I, context I there, other than... Right, I, I you phoned up and said what? The deal record. I said I was Alan Jose. And uh, if, if some, I can't wait to the manager, but if something doesn't go, I'll never be back in East Road again. Alec Muller. And <laughs> I basically then, resigned the East Road... <laughs> And then after that, I seen Jose and he said, some cunts fucking for that. Because cunts was, he said, ah, I heard you've given up. Yeah, that's it. You're no way back and all that kind of thing. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> it was about 1996. It was in, there wasn't a lot to do in the, in the years, like, you know, so. <laughs> you know, in, in the days, it would be like, oh, I'll just send Jose a tweet to wind him up or something like that, or a fucking DM <laughs> or a WhatsApp. In those days, you had to phone up phone-ins. I actually <laughs> phoned, I phoned up a fucking... <laughs> Delayed gratification, yeah, it's like, I it might be, and it, 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 it might be, and 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 it which was the name that the IRA had used, you know, in the Grand Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one, Rosie? Um, just finally, it's not really a phone-in, but I remember reading it in Hibs Monthly about Graham Sunas. And, and Graham Sunas had just left the Huns, and a hibby got stopped in the middle of Glasgow. What's your reaction? And he pretended to be a Hun. And he's like, fucking best thing that's ever happened. And all the fucking people around were like, eh? What are you talking about? Fucking right tell you, that country ruined Rangers, as soon as you come, fucking Catholics, black people, fucking Jews, next thing you could hear people going, quite right big man, quite right, aye, you're fucking right, <laughs> it turned out it was just some random hippie that goes down to the fucking street, <laughs> oh dear, alright, okay, so we'll wrap up with our topic which is not about football, and this week it is, politicians you've despised and politicians you've kind of loved or had an impact on and we've restricted this to UK and Ireland because we did, we've already rolled into fucking Donald Trump and all that pish and we can assume that every country hates fucking Margaret Thatcher obviously, you know um, but I'm going to give you two that, that I liked before we go into the hateful ones later um, the, one that made, the first one that made an impression on me was Michael Foote and when he made an impression on me it's something that he absolutely got ridiculed by the right wing and I still think it's brilliant was when he wore a duffel coat to the cenotaph um, for a Remembrance Sunday thing and they were all going fucking mental and all the rest of it because, you know, it didn't show respect and I thought it was fucking hilarious. Um, they did actually say that Jose, his manifesto was the longest suicide note in history. But in reality, I, most of the fucking things he said then, you know, so... And the other one in the... Six, on, 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 honestly, you... I'd, I'd recommend to anybody to turn around and read the Labour Party manifesto mm. through that fucking election in 1982. 
and then read what it is that it actually said in it. Oh, it's the longest suicide note in history is what it's known as. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then you turn around to read it and it's like that. Oh, it turns out that everything that was said in this was absolutely fucking bang on. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's ridiculous how well it's aged. It's, and it is, and it's like, aye, at the time, the, at the time, it probably wasn't, at the time, it probably, it probably wasn't the most politically expedient. Mm. But, in terms of what it actually said, it was like that. It was absolutely fucking spot on. The, I mean, another one that made an impression on me in a similar vein was Ken Livingston. And Ken Livingston's two big things outside of London at the time was um, the removal of Clause 28, which people went berserk about, and we have to we have to talk to Sinn Féin and the IRA. And people went nuts about both them, both became thing. And the last one, of course, was old Degsy, Derek Hatton, um, who was absolutely, you know, i just seen his firebrand guy, militant, fucking, we're not implementing the Tory cuts, fuck Margaret Thatcher. And then, of course, the shameful uh, Labour Party conference where Kinnock, you know, um, tried to fucking call him out and, you know, I absolutely detest Neil Kinnock. He's not going to be one of the ones I mentioned, but I absolutely detest because without Kinnock, you didn't get Blair. And without Blair, you didn't get a million people dead in Iraq. Paul, give us some people that you like. Aye, um, I find this quite hard because the, the politicians I had grown up were all kind of... Cunt. Politicians, aye, maybe I really like, but somebody I quite admire now, and I don't know if this is controversial or not, is, but is Ed Miliband, because I, I mm-hmm. think the way he's came back and sort of rebuilt himself, he, I think he was a, a good choice, but because he wasn't a David Miliband, he was in public enemy number one right from the start, and they, they went after him and kind of turned him into this cartoon figure. Mm. Whereas he, he was a gen, I, I think he was trying to go back to towards proper Labour values away from the, the Tony Blair stuff, and I think he's. Now, we're, we're basically lacking any fucking adults in the room. When he talks on things, he makes a lot of sense to me. And he's went back to politics. He could have walked away into a in PR job or something like his brother did. But he, he's, he's stuck with it because I think he's somebody that actually cares. And like if you ever, I don't know if you've ever listened to his podcast. Aye, or not, I have, bye. It's really good. He's a really intelligent guy. He's quite a funny guy in that as well. And it's just a shame that he never got to show that side. Well, aye, that's always the thing. I mean, actually... I think I'm right in saying the Daily Mail called his father the man who hated Britain. Right. Um, and it was, I remember seeing Marxist, re- revolutionary, socialist views, fucking this. And I thought, is this Jose's old man? I thought about you. But, uh, <laughs> um, aye, it's, it's a conundrum of, aye, well, why don't you talk like that when you're the fucking leader of the party and no after it? Um, would Nick, no, Clegg, Nick Clegg be one of yours? No, I mean, no. You voted for the Liberal Democrats in 2010? <laughs> that was yes, I did, because my seat was going to be Tory or Lib Dems, and I didn't think they were going to. What seat was this exactly? Uh, well, Lib Dems won it, so he's, he's fucking crumbling. Crumbling. What, what, well, what are you saying? 2010. I'll be West Edinburgh. West, aye. And Lib Dems won it, but. I didn't think they were then going to fucking sell down the, the river and join up with it. Oh, hi, because there's, no, there's never been any fucking evidence of that before, Jose. Eh? Uh, <laughs> all right then, Jose Gears, this will be a, a fucking amazing if he sees anybody here. Politicians you like? I've got a couple. Mm-hmm. I have got a couple. Uh, like, I like I like Tony Benn. Mm-hmm. I like, always like Tony Benn fucking like turned fucking like rejected his fucking peerage to fucking turn to fucking represent fucking people. Absolute fucking socialist to his fucking core. And it's like that. And never really turned away from it. Never turned away at all, mm-hmm. like, from his core principles. His core principles always sort of aligned with me. I was like that. I always actually liked Tony Benn as a politician. He probably wasn't the most effective because he was, like, 
because he basically refused to fucking change his opinion about fucking sort of stuff. Mm. It was like, change it if there was no evidence, if something had fucking happened, he would turn around and change it or not. But the core bits were always there. The core mm-hmm. bits were always there. Always what he admired. Always a really good speaker and smart as fuck. Smart as fuck. It's like, one of my sort of favourite political books is his diaries. His diaries mm. are fucking sensational. His diaries are so good. Would recommend if anybody wants to just read them pick up the one I can't remember I can't remember what volume it is but it's uh, the one across the Iraq war like his diaries there are fucking brilliant and it's like they're written in real time Mm. Yeah, I basically predicted it's funny you that that actually because we mentioned Alexi Seal last week and Alexi Seal at the start of lockdown had said that his mother had brought him up to hate Tony Benn and he just always hated him and his mother was I mean honestly like his mother was uh, you know a fanatical communist right to the point where you know he would can Alexis Hale would say well what about you know Stalin and all the people that died and she would reply by saying mistakes were made <laughs> um, and then, then she became a fanatical supporter of the IRA and he'd be like you know what about the kids and that um, you know get involved in bombs and things and he would, she would go legitimate targets that's the kind of level in, but so but he anyway. The point being that he um, started to read Tony Benn's diaries in lockdown to try and sort of to get into that kind of thing, um, the way he's thinking and all that sort of thing. Because as it's, it's, it's an interesting leap for that uh, being and being brought up in privilege and then actually no sort of just staying like that, basically, you know. Aye, it's not genuinely genu- good cut. Basically, never really fucking held any positions in power because he was completely intransigent about his view. So I can understand mm. that. Aye, well, aye, <laughs> can understand, aye, aye. <laughs> can understand that totally. Uh, and I've actually I've got one mayor as well. Another one. I never really agreed with politically very much, but uh, I always liked Malcolm McDonald. Mm-hmm. I always liked Malcolm McDonald. It was like getting a lot of integrity up your fucking like. She always fucking like. I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote how I believe. I don't really, I'm not really asked about fucking sort of party loyalty. Mm. It's like, believe that my loyalty is to the people who fucking elected me. And I think she was always like that. She was always like that. I didn't agree with like quite a lot of political sort of stances and fucking sort of stuff like that. But uh, always sort of admired her as a politician. I always liked the fact that she always got elected fucking like comfortably fucking on list systems in the Scottish Parliament and stuff like that as well. Mm. Just as I get her right fucking up you to the SNP who mm. deselected her basically. And she was like, all right, I'll run as an independent. I had always got enough votes and I was always fucking comfortably getting elected there. Mm. And I actually like that bit. And I think the other one to say about her as well, she was married to fucking Jim Sellers, who, since she's died, has became an absolute fucking raven lunatic. So she obviously managed to keep him in check fucking for long enough. Hi, <laughs> I just actually mentioned one final one. I mean, I like it. It was Martin McGuinness. And the reason it could be all right is, though Martin McGuinness was a, was a commander in the Derry Brigade of the IRA, you know, broke brought the North to a standstill and was deemed for a long time to be the man with the biggest threat to the British state, which is an honour I'd love to have, <laughs> you know. But for him to go to there to actually pals way and dealing with hardline unionists like Paisley and, and all that mob, it's fucking someday in, like, you know what I mean? It takes a hell of a lot of backbone and balls. Um, Paul, is Martin McGuinness going to be saying one of the ones you hate? No. <laughs> Uh, one of the ones I hate, it's, it's probably not very, it's probably fashionable just now actually, but it's that Matt, Hunk, Matt Hancock, just with mm-hmm. the current situation we're in, to be the health secretary and preside over such a shambles through a fucking national crisis, 
yet have the front to go on every day and lie through his teeth and it's complete lacky emotion. Like, did you see when he, he cried? He mm. fake cried when they fucking... Is this Jose you're like, talking about? <laughs> no. I was just saying, he was again, no. no, I know, I know that. The, 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 Basically, the, does not seem human. Like nothing seems to feed him. He, he's, I mean, I take it you saw that as well, Jose, the fake crying. He's obviously been tell if you show some emotion here, you'll win public. Yeah. And he just, what's the matter with you? It's just, you know, so, so, and he, he, he empathy, he you know, these sociopaths, as we keep mentioning. Look that, I've seen him on the news get absolutely torn to bits and how he's got had facts thrown at him. And he just, he, he laughs like a nervous, he's, it's like he's no human. He's got no, He's, I, I really, really can't stand him. And another one in the same ilk, like I hate cunts like Ian Duncan Smith in that as well. He's a, a career, made a career being a oh, nasty bastard. <coughs> he but is a prick, like. One, one that sticks for me is Pretty Patel as well. How mm. she can hold the pushes and some of the policies that implemented as the daughter of immigrants. This, I, this is probably the most awful. I genuinely think, you know, you remember when Duncan Smith went to Easter House and this was when he was a Tory leader and he was going to find out what the. And there was people there in absolute horrific poverty. And Duncan Smith's supposed to be gone there to kind of try and work out what, what was wrong and what he needs to do now. I actually think when he got fucking humiliated in the election that he just went, F- you know what? See, you cunts, or you didn't vote for me, I'm going to punish you bastards. I think that's yeah. what happened, because the guy has got absolutely no heart or anything. And it was actually sister... I can't remember her second Rita, I think her name is, from Collyhurst in Manchester that apparently made him fucking shrivel because she was basically eviscerated him. And he is a Catholic and it remedied him and that's when he basically fucked off. And it's, I read it in Boris Johnson's, the book about Boris Johnson I read, that they, he basically, basically changed tack because of her. Um, mm. Aye. Uh, so that horrible, horrible. Jose? Every single British Prime Minister. What, since when? I'm not going to include Callaghan because I can't remind him. Since him. Right, okay. Ah, I mean, that's fair enough. I think I've got a particular hatred for Gordon Brown, I must admit. I can't stand it. He's, he's one that theoretically you should fucking like. I, I shouldn't mind as much as like, He's a prick. Okay, I know he's that. always been up. A... I mean, the two, two peripheral Aye. ones I hate, right? Because obviously you go to the big ones and that. Murdo Fraser, never won an election, mm. struts about like he fucking owns the place. Pun, typical fucking arrogant self-entitlement and Tom Watson who ran down the chimney some fucking nutcase talking about some fucking B&B thing that he was going to bring down the Murdoch Empire way and then decided you know what I'll not bring down the Murdoch Empire I'll bring down the fucking Labour Party mm. and as Alexi Sale said who I keep bringing up because he is my fucking hero now uh, Tom Watson bring down the Labour Party to then go on a fucking reality show which is shit and ruin any chance this country had of socialism what a cunt. I mean, it's, it's that. I can't believe people can do that. They can be so involved in the next when they're prancing with the telly, like, who cares? Uh, my, one of my peripheral ones would be Ian Murray. Oh, Ian Murray, like, 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 like fucking MP. It was like that. Who blocked me on Twitter. Blocked me, I know, I He blocked me on Twitter after during the independence referendum when... I pointed out the fact that all the things that he was just fucking saying was would be really, really bad about Scotland was exactly what he negotiated for helps. 
<laughs> it was like, oh, Scotland, yeah. Scotland, they're going to really go to their date. They're going to fucking turn around and bomb the fucking United Kingdom. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's like, the only reason you've got to have any fucking votes is for fucking jambos who were delighted you've done that for their club. And it was like that, and that was it. I've never seen a tweet for them since. Paul, Paul's just sitting there thinking, and this is why I fucking hate him. <laughs> um, all right, all right. We'll wrap things up there, and we'll play it with a song. And the song this week, I'm going to dedicate none other than to Jose. So, hope you enjoy it. And this one is for Jose. What's new, pussycat? Yeah. <laughs> 